This episode of the podcast is brought to you by... Hello? Frank! Frank! It's the podcast! What about it? The podcast! It's coming from inside the house! No! (laughs) (laughs) You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines. The power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, a podcast. The only podcast that... I don't know. We got sound? We got sound for <laughs> the one. first sound. The first sound. Uh, I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are talking about 1940s The Great Dictator. Mm-hmm. Your first Chaplin film. It is my first Chaplin right? film. Right? Um, I remember I saw this movie and I was like, I've never watched a silent film before. Mm-hmm. So let me watch a Chaplin movie. Mm-hmm. And, and then you did, picked the did, one did that bunch, isn't did a bunch of, <laughs> I did a bunch of research and everybody was talking about how good The Great Dictator was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was years ago. And I was like, okay, not realizing that it was the first movie that he did yeah. that actually had sound. And I was like, huh. Um, that being said, I was really floored by it. And mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to kind of unpack it and see your initial thoughts. Because this is your first Chaplin film in general, right? Yeah. So uh, let's talk about how Charlie Chaplin pretty much did everything in this fucking movie. Yes. He wrote, he directed, he starred, he co-starred, yes. he produced, he did the music for mm-hmm. this entire movie. Yes, it's very impressive. And his wife at the time is the lead female role. Yes. Uh, so this movie came out in 1940. Charlie Chaplin plays uh, Dictator Hinkle mm-hmm. slash the Jewish barber, which there is no, it's just a coincidence. It's just that a coincidence they look that they look, <laughs> that they look uh, similar. Um, and then other people that matter is Paulette Goddard, who plays Hannah, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Oakley, who plays um, <laughs> Napolini, yeah. who's like, Might, he's one of the best characters <laughs> in this movie. Uh, you have um, Reginald Gardner, who plays Schultz, Henry Daniel, who plays Garbstick. The names are ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Um, Billy Gilbert, who plays Herring, uh, Grace. Honestly, that's pretty much all that matters. Yeah. That, let's just let, let's, let's just not, leave it at that. Let's not worry about it. And the Great Dictator is pretty much about um, the, uh, World War Two. Yeah. Essentially. And but what the what this movie actually covers is a dictator named Henkel who tries to expand his empire with a poor Jewish barber. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. Let me repeat that. The dictator. Henkel tries to expand his empire while a poor Jewish barber tries to avoid persecution under Henkel's reign. Yeah. Uh, so, initial thoughts. I didn't love it. I didn't mm. love this movie. Mm. I didn't love this. I can appreciate the fact of, like, how well it's made and, like, what it is. But, like, though, to be honest, like, when, when you said we were going to do, like, a Charlie Chaplin movie. And it's from, like, 1940. And I'm like, cool, awesome, first Chaplin film. This movie is long Two hours. for a, a 1940s movie. Yeah. Like, Casablanca was considered a long movie. That's an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, this movie feels the length. It in does. In my opinion. It, but it also is... Uh, I mean, it's really um, encapsulating a lot. Yeah. So it does make sense that it's long, right? Yes, I mean, it, like there, it, there's it, so many things that are happening in this in this film. Yeah, like we're going back and forth between Hinkle and the barber of like their entire lives, basically. Yeah. Of like dealing with like what they're going through in this time. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate 
Charlie Chaplin, I think like again because I did a little a tiny teeny tiny little bit of research, just a bit. um tiny bit. Like I think like he took what was it ten years off um between like his last silent film and then doing this film yeah um just to like get everything prepared and like i think he took like a hiatus for whatever reason and um coming back and doing like his first film with like full music and full sound and i i don't know why i swore like i heard something where it's like this is where like his career tanked because like they just realized that he wasn't a good actor no 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 hollywood ended up sort of exiling him a bit because they weren't really happy with how he he so there was like the big red scare that was happening yeah so there was kind of murmurings that Chaplin may have been a communist ah uh and also Hollywood did not love how vocal he was about his opinions and Mm -hmm. that he was kind of willing to make films about things that are you know kind of like hey let's not talk about those right now right like let's 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 kind of keep these movies light and airy and whatnot and Chaplin was like no I want to talk about these things yeah because this was big to like basically like during World War II like make fun of Hitler right and the crazy thing was is that like and it's so ahead of its time like this movie came out in 1940 the war started in 1939 yeah so we were, I don't even think the United States was involved in the war yet in no. 1940. I'm pretty sure we didn't even we weren't even no, we weren't. I don't think no. I don't think our troops were involved. I don't think the US was involved yet. Um but I mean it was obviously big major news of what was going on in Europe. Mm-hmm. So uh and clearly Chaplin was very disturbed by it and you can tell that, right? And you can see how um how upset he was by what was going on in the war. So he decided to make a movie about it. And interestingly enough, you know, he goes, okay, obviously Chaplin's known for comedies. Mm-hmm. So 1940 was not really well known for mixed, like this is a dramedy. Like yeah. th- th- this, and 1940 was not really known for that. So mm-hmm. that was kind of ahead of its time too, where he's making these, this, this really kind of hysterical film Pointing the finger at a man who is potentially one of the scariest humans yes. to ever walk the planet. Potentially the man that would easily try to invade us just because of this movie. <laughs> and I guess like Hitler, like, because I read up to like Hitler banned this film from Germany. Like still, I think it's banned in Germany. Yeah. Um, But I guess like he did something where it's like he got at some point during the war, like a film reel of it. And had like two private showings of like just himself. And like Charlie Chaplin found out and he was like, I would have loved to see what his reaction was to this. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I can understand why you don't love it. I think and I don't think that this is like a perfect film by any means. Mm -hmm. I don't I kind of knew when I picked this movie that it's got its issues and it's the pacing is a little off Mm -hmm. and there isn't. you know, like the there's kind of like a love interest that gets that gets brought in that yeah. doesn't really come Do to anything mu- to, that doesn't really come to much. Uh, and of course, you know, there's there's just it, it is a little long for what it like for what it needs to be. But that being said. I love this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. You did. I do. I, I really, really love this movie. So let me say this, too. So obviously this is my first like Charlie Chaplin film. However, I I know who Charlie Chaplin is and I know like, you know, all of his like silent film stuff where it's like the majority of the stuff is slapstick. 
Like, that's, like, his bread and butter. And for him to do a film with sound and audio, like, music and audio and sound and everything like that, and I, w- I was actually really impressed by the fact of, like, how he kind of, like, evolved his comedy. Yeah. It's like, like yes, there is, like, the slapstick stuff where it's, like, you know, when Hinkle's, like, walking through the palace and, like, he slips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then he just keeps, like, going back up and through and, like, the whole thing of, like, him going into the different rooms and, like, the painter and the sculptor. Yeah. And, like, yeah. that's enough. And then, and then like, walks <laughs> and out. And they're getting frustrated. Yes. It's like, I just want to finish my work. <laughs> um, but then, like, actually having, like, comedical stuff, too, where it's, like, you know... Um, like I think like the barber is in the streets or something like that, and there's like a scene where it's like, um, it's like, oh, I thought you were like Austrian or something. It's like, no, I'm vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. And it's like stuff where it's like he he understood that like you know making silent films like majority of the time you're gonna need to use slapstick because that's how you get your point across as a comedy. Yeah, it's really difficult to portray comedy when you're saying it in a silent film and then a text comes up yeah and then you have to read it it doesn't yeah. quite hit yeah right nearly as hard as visually seeing something funny yeah so i'll give him that too like he did a really good job in this film of like nailing like the comedic timing for things yeah like everything like like i'll be honest like the the comedy didn't really land for me in this film but that's i appreciate the comedy that's interesting because I guess I, to me, this comedy is like timeless comedy. Mm-hmm. I, I th- this movie has me laughing. I've seen again. I, I yeah. I've only seen this movie once beforehand, um, but within the first ten minutes, I'm laughing. Uh, the upside down plane scene oh, to yeah. me is hysterical. It's the giant gun scene is hysterical. Oh yeah, when he's like running, like he's turning it constantly. For, in well, there. not even just just like when when they pan over mm-hmm. to the size of this gun, like the the app, <laughs> like the 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 monstrosity that is this gun is absolutely funny to me. Mm-hmm. Because it's so over the top and so ridiculous. And then, yeah, and then when he gets on it and he's fucking going all over the place, it's hysterical. But the plane scene by far has me rolling every single time. It's almost, it's weird. It's almost like how you were with Bullet Train, where it's like the, the comedy didn't like fully land for Yeah, me. because the Bullet Train and Everything Everywhere All at Once, that type of comedy I didn't like. And I don't know, it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what the difference is. Because this movie is much more slapsticky but mm-hmm. then again kind of like what you were saying there's also this element of um, maturity and really smart comedy mm-hmm. um, and I felt like Bullet Train was simple comedy and not like nearly as complicated and just like bare bones like this is funny this is funny and mm-hmm. I'm like I don't know like I, I feel like I, I didn't appreciate the, the comedy in Bullet Train um, nearly as much as I appreciated the comedy here. Like even little things like when they're all sitting in the stands and, um, this is Napolini and, and, uh, yeah. and, and they're all, they're all sitting in the stands watching the planes go by mm-hmm. and whatever. And he's like, Oh, this is, this is the light. This is like our oh, light. Yeah, yeah. And then he's, and then they watch it and there's just no sound at all. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, wait, that was very light. <laughs> like that type of stuff really makes me laugh. Even, mm-hmm. Even like the things when you're not expecting comedy to happen, where where like Hink, um, Charlie Chaplin has such a, a way of, of writing in this movie where I, I don't think like such a great comedian, a lesser comedian would not have been able to accomplish what he does, where when when you first meet um, 
Hink, uh, you know, Hinkle. Hinkle. Yeah. And, and it's like, he's, he's on stage and he's screaming in the microphone. And I mean, yes, it's, it's kind of funny in the beginning, right? Like mm-hmm. he's, he's doing all, he's obviously not speaking German. He's saying ridiculous words like Wiener schnitzel and sauerkraut yeah. and things. Right. And he's just going on and on. He's just doing it in, in a German accent. And then he, it just keeps going. Yeah, it's like five minutes of it. And yeah, and it, and it just keeps going. And then he, he kind of starts losing you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, like a great comedic nose, is that like I'm probably losing this audience. And then it starts building back up again because he's committed to the bit for so long. Mm-hmm. And since he's committed to it for so long, it starts getting funny again. And you find yourself laughing and then kind of coming down mm-hmm. and then coming right back up again, especially like when the microphones start like leaning back. Yes. Right. When he starts like when he starts screaming at the microphone and the microphone starts going backwards mm-hmm. with him. Like that makes me laugh mm-hmm. so much. I liked when he took like the water breaks. It was like yeah. when he would just pop it down his pants or yeah, like, yeah, he would yeah. put it, like in his ear. <laughs> yeah. I was like, OK, like you gave me a break uh, from you just saying nonsense. that Like <laughs> even if I tried to use Google Translate, it still would come up nonsense. Right. Because it's five minutes long. Yeah, yeah. And it's again, he's not speaking real German. He's yeah. just he's just doing nonsense. Exactly. And, you know, that's kind of the whole major point of, I think, what he's trying to do in this, mo- in, in this uh, movie is like, you know, I do think that there is a real reason as to why Hinkle and the barber are played by him. Like, mm-hmm. that wasn't done by accident, yeah. right? Like, that wasn't done because he couldn't afford to hire an actor or something like that. And I don't think it's him, like, his ego either. No. Like, it's it's, him it's a wanting point. To, yeah, like, it's not him wanting to be like, I want to get all the glory of, like, getting every role. Right. It's, like, him wanting to make a statement of, like, the opposite sides of the spectrum during that time. Yeah. And, like, the thing that I took away from it, because I didn't really quite process it the first time I watched it Mm -hmm. when I was probably 18, 17, uh, was how, I don't know, to me the statement is, like, Hitler, right? Because that's who it is. Mm -hmm. This dictator is just a normal guy. Mm -hmm. He's just a guy, and, and in this case, you know, they're both buffoons, but the difference between the barber and Hinkle is that the barber, they're both babbling idiots, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the barber is like filled with love and joy and he, and he's, and he's very loving and caring. And Hinkle is this guy who of course is not, and he mm-hmm. wants to kill everybody and take over the world. And, and that's like the, 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 you know, the duality there. Yeah. But at the same time, they're played by the same person. So like you're seeing these these guys with the same faces so it's like there's that there, it's really hard to disconnect well, yeah. yourself but it's also it's also a really cool way to be like you know in actuality like all people are the same yeah which was a big thing during that time because hitler specifically going after like the jewish population right and it's Saying like that they're not yeah like they're not better than the aryan race yeah and it's like this was a really cool way for Charlie Chaplin to show that, like, no, like, everybody is equal. Yeah. It's just there are different mindsets among people. Yeah. Which I appreciate. I yeah, thought yeah. that was really I think, good. I think it's really good. Um, I think that, you know, it, it's hard to... This is kind of our second time on the podcast doing, you know, like, a proper comedy, I would say. Yeah. Like, this, did. like Bullet Train was not really a proper comedy. Bullet Train is no. an action movie with comedic elements. Yeah. Everything Everywhere All at Once is sort of yes, eh, not really. I no. wouldn't really. It was it was again a movie of. Go ahead. Yeah. What I was gonna say, like 
like kind of Deadpool, but that's also an action movie, like way, way back in the day when we yeah. did that. Like Samurai Cop, that's meant to be bad. That was a right. comedy. Yeah. Um, and then Some Like It Hot. Some was like, like It Hot was our first like real proper <clears throat> comedy. Yeah. And I think that this is kind of our second one. Um, but again, Some Like It Hot kind of had those themes of obviously we know what Some Like It Hot was about. Yeah. Uh, and then this one tackling a really, really crazy theme of, you know, of the war and Hitler and dictatorship. And I mean, listen, let, let's be honest. The end speech is it's potentially amazing. one of the greatest speeches in all of film. Yeah. Like it, it's a, I think another five, five minute, minute speech. speech. Yeah. But like, it's so powerful that like, you know, we're all equal people and like, there should be peace among people. Yeah. Like that, that was the point where it's like, okay, you got me. Like I I'm think, hooked. I, honestly, I do think that, there, there's a, there are rare films where the last 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, save everything is kind of like what saves everything. And I don't think that this movie needs saving per se, mm -hmm. because again, I really enjoy this film. I think that this movie comedically works on almost every level for me personally, but again, comedy is super subjective. So like bullet train for you was your type of comedy. It wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. This really worked for me. And I think that this is like that kind of timeless comedy that I, that I look that I look for in films. Yeah. Um, so I lost my train of thought, so that's good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Always good when... So, oh, no, no, no. So basically, you know, having having these these um, these films that are like, oh, you know, the, the whole movie was okay, and then all of a sudden the last five minutes are amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like, there's so many times where people will kind of go and like look up this movie and watch the last five minutes. And then I think get a little disappointed by the rest of the film because mm -hmm. they, they've seen this amazing, incredible speech. Um, and then they go back and rewatch the whole movie. And then, you know, it's in black and white, which it didn't need to be. Uh, it's, it's slapstick comedy. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a war film. Um, this is, I don't know, like it's just a really, it's a hard sell. I think once you've seen that speech, like if you've never seen that speech before and then, yeah. and then that comes to the ending, I think it really blows you away. I know. And that's, that's where it was weird too. Cause it's like, I've seen that speech, but it's been years since like, I remembered it. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Like I didn't think that that was actually in this film. And then when it got to that point and I was like, Oh shit, that's this part. Yeah. <laughs> but to be like, like the whole like Napolini and like Hinkle stuff, like, was really getting me. That was, like, really good. That's where, like, I got, like, roped back into the film. Yeah. So, like... I do think that the second, like, half of the film is actually stronger than the first half. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a lot of, like, build-up and, like, character development. Yeah, because the, the first, first the first act of the film is actually kind of broken up in, like, these series of vignettes where yeah. it's, like, they're, they're like... It's it's very slapsticky where it's like this is a this is a set and then this is a set and then this is a set yeah and you know this is the comedy here and then this is the comedy here and this is comedy here and I do think that in the second half it's more um, traditional Fluid. narrative mm -hmm. and things kind of flow a little bit better yeah and especially too like we know the characters at this point because we spent like an hour with them yeah so it's like we understand like who they are and how they're gonna act in these situations yeah so it's like at that point i was like okay i'm like fully in this movie again yeah also you know while this movie is a comedy and it is you know tackling um but it is tackling this serious subject he doesn't really shy away from that either like mm -hmm. he is willing to show you the things that you know, you're not, you're not maybe expecting to see in the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's the whole thing of, 
where he's like, um, where he's sitting, where Hinkle's sitting in the car with his, whatever, his right-hand man. And he's like, what are we going to, what, what are we doing? And he's like, you're going to go address everybody. And he's like, oh, and he like passes yeah. out in the car, right? <laughs> and it's like, that's funny. And then it immediately cuts to um, the stormtroopers mm-hmm. in the street uh, and they shoot that one guy. Yeah. And they, and they kill the family. So it's kind of like that thing where it's like, oh, you think the war is funny? Mm-hmm. It's not. Well, even too, I was really surprised like when... When they catch the barber and, like, all the stormtroopers are, like, hanging him. Yeah. And then the one, like, general comes out. I forgot his name, but, like, he was the one that... In the uh, plane, the plane scene that he saved. He saved him. And I was like, whoa, like, that took a dark turn out of nowhere. Yeah, well, the thing is... But that's the thing. I prefer this movie over Jojo Rabbit. Like mm-hmm. Jojo Rabbit is similar, right? Where it's yeah. it's tackling, it's, ta- it's telling the same it, sequence. It's ta- yeah, it's tackling World War Two. It's tackling Hitler, but it's making it you know a comedy. And I do think that this movie does it better, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, I think that the comedy is better. I think that the impactfulness of the scenes work way better. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. I I really, I'm usually not a huge fan of slapstick comedy. Yeah, in modern films, mm-hmm. but. Th- old school it's got a different vibe it does it, it really does and you can and you can just tell how good of a comedic uh, like how good comedic timing Char- chaplin has mm-hmm. how how good everything man i think his writing is like when he's that that speech again at the yeah. end like when he's because he's looking directly into the camera right and he's looking at us he's looking at the world he's mm-hmm. telling the world like what we need to do and how the people need to rise up and try and change things because this man is going to destroy us if yeah. if we don't. It's so good, man. The writing in this movie is so good. Yeah. I was even like really impressed with like the first like the opening shot of like war and like knowing that Chaplin directed this too, like the pan shot of war, I was like that like any war film that would have been like a standard shot. And for him to do this where it's like I'm assuming this is like his first like war movie yeah i think it is like he he mainly did like all the slapstick stuff and i think there was like one with like boxing but like like city lights yeah yeah like this to have like that type of shot for a second i was like i don't even think this is a comedy i think this is just a war it's a proper war yeah he directed the shit out of this movie exactly it's really good and two like um what was her name like paulette yeah like his wife at the time like i guess they were going through like a divorce during this film Mm. and they both like stayed true to the characters because like I was like I learned that while watching the film and I was like kind of waiting to see if like if I can pick up on like oh is this when like they started to like kind of go downhill but they kept it like really professional I'm assuming that's also why like that love story never like fully unfolded maybe yeah because yeah I mean that that is something that I mean it's a beautiful ending Mm -hmm. I, I do think that when he's when he's like talking and she hears him over the radio yeah uh and, and she's, like, laying in the dirt crying, and then, like, she wakes up, and then she, like, looks up to the sky, and the sun's beating down on her family's there. I, I don't know. It's, it's really impactful. Mm-hmm. I think it is. That last five minutes, man, that's that's what really got me. Yeah. Um, I love... One of my favorite scenes of the in the movie is the globe scene. Oh, yeah. Because... It's it works on many different levels. Mm-hmm. There's there's like the metaphor yeah. of of what what is actually representing holding the world in your hands of a guy who wants to control the entire world and holding it in his hands, and it's one man doing it, mm-hmm. and he's kind of treating it like a toy, right? He's just playing with it and he's bouncing it up and down, uh, and then of course it ends up popping, mm-hmm. kind of telling you like this 
it doesn't work like that. One man cannot do this. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then there's also that, that like really effeminate part where he's like clearly making fun of Hitler and, mm-hmm. and, and, and he's making, you know, like he's doing very girly kind of, you know, girly things, yes. right? Like, like popping it on his butt. Yeah. And, on the table. It, and it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. There's so many things about the movie that works, um, that, that work on different levels. And I think that this movie is kind of. I think this movie justifies watching it a few times because I think Mm -hmm. that when you go back and watch it another time and another time, you kind of get more out of it every single time. Yeah. While maybe not the most perfectly paced film and maybe not um, the greatest, some people would argue saying that maybe it is, but maybe not, you know, it's not the greatest war film ever made and it's Mm -hmm. not the greatest comedy ever made, but putting them together, it kind of is the greatest comp like war comedy movie ever. Um, It's just, it's just a different level of filmmaking that um, even like the sets, man, Mm -hmm. the lighting, everything is beautiful. The fucking chair scene when, when him and Napolini are sitting in the chair (laughs) and they keep going up and up Mm -hmm. and up. Dude, that was really funny. I I liked that part. That that one made me laugh. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's just like, again, hammering, hammering home. Like these men are so Mm -hmm. ridiculous. The, um, the pudding with the coin scene was like a really good one. Did you like that? I like that. That's like one one of my like lesser ones where I'm like, eh, it's fine. I liked that one. That was just like, again, that had like that metaphor of like, look at all these men that are like, I'll be the man. And then like getting the coin and then be like, never mind. <laughs> and then trying to push it onto somebody else like yeah. it, that i thought yeah. was funny. it works it, it, it does it's it's a classic mm-hmm. um i get to say i i would i would give this like a good like seven big bertha cannons i like it i like it a little bit more i probably give it a solid eight mm. um not a perfect film by any means mm-hmm. but a movie that i think is going to forever stand the test of time and yeah i think it's one of those movies where even if you don't love it kind of where you're sitting with it right you can appreciate it yes and you know um, you can kind of see the influence that it has and you can just kind of appreciate the scope of it and what he's trying to do, especially learning that he did it literally during the war. Yeah. Right. Like it, this movie was coming out while Hitler was rising. Yeah. So it's kind the of, it's kind of, of crazy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of insane. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I love the movie. I think it's great. Uh, and you know, again, it might not be for everybody, but I still, think I'm glad that you saw it at least, yeah. you know? Yeah. I it's think nice to a- at least see like one Charlie Chaplin movie and like acknowledge like who he was as a director and actor. Yeah. You should watch city lights. City lights is a really good movie that mm-hmm. I think you would actually like no matter, like just plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I have a recommendation. Oh, wow. Um, that's new. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been, I said, I think mentioned like maybe two, I, two years ago, I really started getting into watches mm-hmm. and I, uh, you, you're into watches. You're not into watches. Like I'm into watches. Yeah. I don't go for anything above like a hundred dollars. I think that's like crazy then for a watch. Yeah. I'm kind of going deeper and deeper into a hole of understanding the history and everything about it. Um, I am finding myself appreciating. I really like micro brands right mm-hmm. now. I'm kind of going through this micro brand phase where, I'm, you know, it's not like the Rolexes or the, or the Seikos or anything like that. Like these Timexes, like those are not micro brands. Those are very well known. I like the smaller brands right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, I wanted to recommend a watch brand called Spinnaker. Mm. I really love Spinnaker. I'm wearing them on my wrist right now. Mm. And they make very functional utilitarian watches. That's kind of where I'm not a big fan of like dress watches or anything like that. I like mm-hmm. really functional pieces. Um, 
Spinnaker makes really cool kind of like dive inspired watches. Um, I'm a, the one thing, like the first thing that I look at when it comes to watches are the faces, right? The mm-hmm. dials. Like if the, if I don't like the dial, I don't really care about the history yeah. of the brand or what it's made out of or the movement inside of it. I just don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, if the, if you know that, that stuff ends up mattering after yeah. I get hooked on how it looks mm-hmm. first. Um, so yeah, I love Spinnaker. They make really functional pieces. And then kind of like a second recommendation after that in the same vein is something else I've been doing now with my watches is swapping out straps mm. because exchanging straps, like it changes the watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. completely. Um, so I just got a, a new strap on this watch mm. and this is like now becoming my, like I wear this your, almost every day now. One. It's, uh, I love it. Yeah. It's um, actually not that hard to like swap them out too. Like if you no, have like you get, the you get, you get, you get the little tool set, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you swap out the little bars, the spring bars on, on the sides. And then, I mean, you can just pretty, pretty much put any kind of strap you want. Yeah. Um, and you know, straps are generally pretty cheap depending on what you're getting. Like I'm not a fan of leather straps mm-hmm. or bracelets right now. I'm kind of more fan yeah. of these NATO styles, these nylon straps. Yeah. Leather. I, I'm not really into, um, big fan of like, the, like the Timex yeah. where it's like, it's like the stretchy band, yeah. which like I've, I own two, like I've never seen them before, but, yeah. um, yeah, that. And then I was a big fan of like the mesh bands for a long time i thought they were like really really comfortable yeah yeah so anyway i wanted to recommend spinnaker i think they're a really cool micro brand that does that's doing really cool things in the watch world they have so many watches now i think they're starting to like expand a little bit and they're getting a little bit bigger because Mm -hmm. they've when i first found them they didn't nearly have the amount of watches that they do now um so yeah spinnaker the great dictator zach what are we doing next we are going to be having a discussion of some of our favorite monologues in movies. Mm. Mm. Speeches, too, I guess. Speech! They're basically the same thing. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. So I look forward to that. Zach, take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, hail Hinkle.